0: Hi there and welcome to Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos. Breaking this hour, the deal is done.
1: I don't think anyone in, in Canada is of the mind that we can be rejecting or foregoing uh, health investment.
0: <laughs> Premiers say yes to the federal government's health care funding offer and the focus now turns to bilateral deals. What sticking points, if any, remain? Manitoba Premier and Chair of the Council of the Federation, Heather Stephenson, will be here live in moments. Then, aerial takedown, four flying objects shot down in 10 days.
1: I think
2: obviously there is some sort of pattern in there.
3: China has a high altitude balloon program for intelligence collection.
0: Canadian and U.S. forces are scrambling to recover those objects shot out of the sky over Canadian and American airspace. Are there more overhead? We'll ask Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino then bring in two of Canada's former national security advisors. Plus, the mayor of Canada's biggest city resigns.
2: Permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment.
0: Toronto Mayor John Tory still at work today after announcing his resignation over an affair with a staffer, but his own budget chief now says he'd support the mayor staying on. Our front bench panel will break it all down, but first... Breaking news to start us off tonight. The premiers will accept the federal government's health care funding deal. The prime minister tabled that offer less than a week ago. Here's a quick reminder of what is being offered. More than $46 billion in new spending over a decade. A 5% increase to the Canada health transfer for the next five years. That's included in that $46 billion and would amount to $17 billion, which is, of course, below the extra $28 billion a year the premiers collectively were calling for. There will also be an immediate and unconditional $2 billion top-up to the health transfer. Joining us, joining us rather to talk about this deal and the decision to accept it is Manitoba's premier, Heather Stephenson. Premier Stephenson also heads up the Council of the Federation, which collectively represents all the premiers. Hi, Premier. Good to see you again. Thank you for making the time.
4: Great to be here, Vashi.
0: Oh, was there any other option but to say yes to this deal?
4: Well, I think Canadians want to see us working together. And I think after two and a half years of of trying to get to a table to have these discussions, I think this is a positive step in the right direction. We had a good meeting with all of the uh, premiers across the country today. We've agreed to accept the federal funding from health care, uh, but we also recognize that there's much more work still to be done, particularly for the long-term sustainability uh, of the Canada health transfer. And so we will be writing to the federal government and to the prime minister to address some of those issues as well.
0: Can you tell me what the content of of that letter will be? Are you looking for a bigger increase than the 5% escalator, for example?
4: I think what we what we want to do is address some issues that came up uh, at the meeting. Issues around making sure there's uh, fiscal sustainability with respect to the funding for the territories. Uh, Also addressing issues around a potential fiscal cliff as well. So what happens at the end of these bilateral agreements? We have existing bilateral agreements. What happens at the end of the expiry of those agreements? Some of those are coming up within the next four and five years. We need to address those. We also need to address the 10-year agreement and make sure there is no fiscal uh, cliff as a result of those, but also addressing the Canada health transfer, making sure that there's long-term sustainable funding for Canadians when it comes to their health care system.
0: So let me just uh, uh, try and understand this, I guess, in layman's terms. When you're talking about a fiscal cliff, are you saying the premiers are trying to stave off the possibility that if, for example, revenues really deplete because of a massive recession, into federal coffers that that doesn't limit or impact transfers from the federal government to provinces?
4: No, what happens at the end of, say, a 10-year bilateral agreement is that that funding ends. And so if it's not put into the baseline funding moving forward, then some of those programs that those uh, that those monies have been invested in will be in jeopardy. So we want to ensure that at the end of the agreement time, that there is still a continuation of the funding moving forward to ensure that Canadians get access to those health care services that they will have had access for uh, to for the last to 10 years.
0: What's the point, though, of having an agreement if the money just keeps going after it?
4: Well, this is often what happens. And in the past, some of the um, some of the monies have gone uh, for bilateral agreements have gone into the baseline funding, so into the Canada Health Transfer, in this case at the end of that, to ensure there's continuity when it comes to uh, making sure those health care services will continue to be delivered. What we don't want to do, and that's why we were asking for long-term growth in the the Canada Health Transfer itself, because again, that's more money to the baseline funding, so you don't have that fiscal cliff at the end. What we want to ensure is that that does not take place For example, the the bilateral agreement that was signed back in 2017, it comes up in in four to five years from now. So what happens to those programs after that? That will be part of these discussions in our bilateral agreements. We just want to make sure that it has a longer-term sustainable funding uh, for the future of Canadians.
0: I I want to ask you a question, and and I ask this with with respect, and hopefully it doesn't sound crass, but I think the way it appears to Canadians is that the federal government said here – take it or leave it. It wasn't really a negotiation. They just presented you. And this is even the way you described it on our program Wednesday night following the meeting with the prime minister. He just sort of said, here's here's the deal. Do do you want it or not? If you're trying to now negotiate all this other stuff, are you kind of concerned uh, that the negotiating power of the provinces collectively has been diminished given the way this all unfolded?
4: Not at all. I think, you know, I mean, let's look back. The last two and a half years, Vashi has taken to get to a table and even see a proposal from the federal government. So we're there now. That's a positive thing. But I think it's, it's prudent moving forward that we address some of these issues in the way of a letter to make sure, you know, the prime minister is aware of some of the concerns that we have after these uh, bilateral, uh, bilateral agreements end. So we'll be addressing some of those issues with the prime minister and uh, we'll take it from there.
0: And, and, and I'm not trying to take away from the presence of those issues, but for so long you had been calling for this meeting, you presented a unified front, and it got you, you know, one-sixth of what you were asking for.
4: So there's $46 billion on the table right now, uh, that the, that and more, $46 billion more than the federal government had on the table before. So that's a step in the right direction. We recognize that. We know that this does not go towards the long-term sustainability when it comes to long-term, you know, sustainable funding for our healthcare systems. That's why we want to continue to have that discussion for right now. We recognize this is a step in the right direction, and so uh, we, we, uh, we will accept this.
0: Was your ask out of line, and and I ask that just because of the situation that occurred during the pandemic, where there were really large transfers from the federal government to provinces around health care that contributed to a a very large deficit situation for the feds? Should the premiers have recalibrated their ask to better reflect the fiscal reality?
4: No, I think we put, again, two and a half years ago or three years ago, we put an offer on the table for the federal government, and it took them two and a half years to come back to us uh, with this. We recognize, again, that this is a step in the right direction. We'll take that for now, but we want to continue those discussions about a long-term funding model for the sustainable uh, funding model for, uh, for Canadians with respect to our health care systems.
0: Okay, Premier Stephenson, I'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time this evening. Thanks, Fashi. Premier Heather Stephenson from Manitoba. I want to move over now to another major developing story. Those swirling questions around aerial objects being downed over North America. Three were shot down just this past weekend, since Friday. And now Canada has deployed aircraft to recover the debris of the object taken down over Yukon. Officials are pretty mum on what the objects were doing and where they came from. But the Prime Minister is acknowledging that there's a pattern here.
2: Well, I think obviously there is some sort of pattern in there. The fact that we are seeing this uh, in a significant degree over the past week uh, is a cause for uh, interest and and uh, 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 close attention, uh, which is exactly what we're doing. We know
0: the first one was Chinese. They
4: admitted it. They claimed it was a weather balloon. We know it's not. These three, we don't have attribution for right now. We don't know. We don't know who owns them. Um, so I'm not going to take anybody's. Uh, word at face value here until we can get a chance to to take a look at them. Well, I think what
5: we saw over the United States, I visited the United States last week, is part of a pattern uh, where China but also Russia are increasing their intelligence and surveillance activities against NATO allies.
0: Okay, take a look at this. There have been four objects shot down over Canada and the U.S. in the last 10 days. The most recent was just yesterday over Lake Huron at the Canada-U.S. border. On Friday, a fighter jet took down one off the coast of Alaska, and on Saturday, the Prime Minister ordered the takedown of a, quote, cylindrical object over central Yukon. The initial Chinese surveillance balloon was shot down all the way back on February 4th, that one off the coast of the Carolinas, after it spent nearly an entire week traveling over Canada into the U.S. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino is here to talk about all of that. Hi Minister, good to see you and good to have you here in studio. Thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to start off by asking about something the Prime Minister said today in reference to these objects. He said obviously there is some sort of pattern here. Is it probable in your view that like with the first balloon, China is behind these other three objects?
1: That's precisely what we're assessing. So is there a pattern? What exactly are they? And I want to begin by assuring Canadians that uh, we are going to use every tool in our arsenal to understand exactly those questions which is why we've deployed the RCMP, uh, the Canadian uh, Armed Forces, as well as the Coast Guard, uh, to conduct recovery operations. Um, They're experts in this area. They're going to collect that information. They're going to do forensic analysis and give us their best advice. Um, We're going to continue to work very closely with NORAD, uh, who was deployed this past weekend, um, this is a binational force, uh, and we're going to do whatever it takes to protect Canadian airspace and sovereignty.
0: And, and I do have some questions about you mentioned the RCMP and, and other groups involved in, in what the recovery and analysis involves. But on the question of probability, of what or who is behind it, you said we're going to determine if there is a pattern. The Prime Minister said today, obviously, there is some sort of pattern. Which is it?
1: Well, I think we have to be uh, assessing the best available intelligence, and that is a process that is ongoing. So, you know, the fact is that over the last number of days, uh, we have seen a number of objects manifest in Canadian and American airspace. The point that I want to convey to you is that, one, uh, we're taking swift and decisive action to protect our sovereignty, and that is why um, we scrambled NORAD jets. That's why um, objects have been taken down. And two, in our recovery, um, the, the process of understanding exactly Uh, what these objects were, what the threats were, uh, and how best to continue to be vigilant about this is one that is ongoing but is being undertaken uh, with a lot of alacrity and and our our full effort.
0: Of the two objects that were shot down over Canada, have any of their parts or uh, aspects to them, has any of it been recovered yet?
1: Well, I don't want to preempt uh, the process, and I would point out a couple of things. First, with regards to the object that was taken down over Yukon airspace or Canadian airspace in Yukon. Um, that it's in a stretch of land that is difficult to access, uh, remote, and even dangerous. And that is one of the reasons why uh, we sent in the experts from CAF and from the RCMP. And then the other object, uh, which was taken out over uh, Lake Huron, is uh, is being uh, recovered by uh, the Coast Guard. But so has any of
0: it been, has, has either of them been recovered in any way yet?
1: So we're endeavoring to get that information available as quickly as we can as we speak. Those recovery operations are, are being undertaken, and when we can share those details, we will. But in the So meantime, you don't
0: know if any of it is in the Canadian government's hands at this point?
1: It's real time, Vashi. Like, I, literally, I take that point, I understand,
0: li- but I'm, that's why I'm asking, in real time? As
1: soon as, as soon as we are in a position to share more information about the recovery operations, we will. But in the meantime, we're going to use every tool in our arsenal to protect Canadian airspace through the binational force of NORAD, a force that has been in place uh, since the Cold War, uh, and every other um, agency within the public safety and national security apparatus to protect Canadians.
0: I'm, I'm asking about the recovery process because I think on behalf of Canadians, it's, it's important to know if there will be one, right? Like if there's actually something to analyze, because ultimately it, it circles back to my first question, which is what or who is behind this? I think that that determination is a pretty important one when it comes to national security, right?
1: You're right. Those are core questions, but I just don't want to get out ahead of our skis on this. I realize that there is a great uh, curiosity about exactly what uh, can be recovered and, and what these objects were. But I would um, discourage uh, over speculation at this point without allowing the um, forces and the RCMP and the Coast Guard who are being coordinated under Public Safety Canada uh, to do their job. Something that they're carrying out methodically uh, with a lot of care and attention so that we get the best possible intelligence and analysis of the government.
0: Has your government asked the Chinese government if they are behind the three objects?
1: Well, I would begin by saying that first... um, we obviously know these objects were airborne Um, they did not carry any payload and third um, they did violate our airspace and American airspace, which is why we acted swiftly and decisively. And as we determine what the origins of these objects are, um, regardless of where um, they, they, they came from, um, we're always going to be vigilant about using whatever tools are necessary to protect our airspace and our sovereignty. So we're eyes wide open about threats, uh, and indeed, uh, as the Minister of Public Safety, uh, it's important for people to know that those threats, as they evolve, we're using our tools, and we're all, always prepared to modernize those tools, but to do so in a way that is transparent uh, and protect Canadian sovereignty and, and security.
0: Respectfully, minister that doesn't answer the question, though, right? My, my question is whether or not your government has asked the Chinese government if they're behind these three. And, and I ask it not out of nowhere, out of the fact that the first one your government and the U.S. government has ascertained that big balloon, the the giant one the size of three school buses, was Chinese surveillance. So it it would seem logical to me that the follow-up would be to the Chinese government, are you behind these latest three? Has that been asked?
1: We're uh, looking at the origins of uh, all of these objects. We're looking to ascertain exactly um, how they uh, got here and what their uh, capabilities were. And as we have a better understanding of that and the recovery processes which are being undertaken right now, um, I can assure you that um, we'll always respond and denounce any hostile activities, regardless of what the state uh, was that, uh, that engineered them.
0: NORAD and, and John Kirby with the White House today said that basically because it took a while to detect that first balloon, NORAD adjusted its procedures and therefore have found these, uh, ultimately, these other objects. Uh, the, the assumption then is that, or not the assumption, rather, what NORAD said was that they have existed in, in iterations in the past as well. Is it your government's view that that these objects, again, or, or balloons of some type, whatever they are, have existed in some iteration before the past two weeks? Uh,
1: look, I, as I've said before, I think that's precisely what we're digging into right now through the recovery operations and hopefully by acquiring um, some of the debris, uh, taking a good look at it and then putting the intelligence lens on it and getting the best advice to other colleagues in government, including uh, DND and CAF who are also on site and are looking at this material. uh, We can come up with the best conclusion to the question that you posed. But in the meantime, I do think you're right to highlight that, that NORAD which uh, Canada and the United States uh, have been part of now for the better part of 60 years out of the Cold War, has been deployed in a way that should reassure Canadians that we are able to respond to any threat in our airspace. And we will never hesitate to continue to deploy them swiftly and decisively.
0: Why can the U.S. tell us that... There is a big spy balloon program that existed, and there have been objects in the past that NORAD wasn't able to detect, but clearly they existed, and your government can't say the same thing.
1: Well, it's not that we're not able to. It's that we want to make sure that we get the answers to those questions correctly. So you don't know. And we undertake, and well, as I said, uh, we are in the midst of conducting recovery operations in real time. So... I understand But why. what does
0: recovery have to do with the existence of, like, they haven't been all recovered in the U.S., and the U.S. has been able to say, this stuff existed before.
1: Well, you don't know. Nobody knows exactly what is on the ground in Yukon or on the waters of Lake Huron. And so we don't want to presuppose the answers to those questions. And it's only after we conduct the recovery, look at the evidence, analyze it, put an intelligence lens on it, that we will come to firm assessments. VASHI. You're asking the right questions. I'm just saying before we uh, get out too uh, ahead of ourselves that we should allow the armed forces, the RCMP and the Coast Guard to do their job so that we can continue to ensure that our response is calibrated to these threats.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I'm not trying to presuppose the job they're doing. I'm just sitting here listening every day, like Canadians are, to the information that the U.S. is able to share, and it is noticeable that it's far more than what your government is sharing with us at this moment. But I, but I take. We want to
1: be we want to be as transparent and as upfront as we possibly can be. And look, our. We'll continue to provide briefings as we, as we can, and as the recovery operations are being completed. I just
0: have one quick question for you, and this is, I think, under your purview. And that is around, okay, we know for sure where the first balloon came from. Both your government and the U.S. government has confirmed its Chinese surveillance. The U.S. has blacklisted six entities in the People's Republic of China for supporting the PRC's modern, mil, mil, sorry, military modernization efforts. And that's specifically related to aerospace, including the balloons will your government follow suit
1: like i said um, we'll never uh, hesitate to condemn the hostile activities regardless of where they originate from Uh, we've done so in the past and we'll continue to going forward but right now what's important is that we continue to remain agile in our response uh, that we are uh, moving forward with our recovery operations that we work closely with our provincial and territorial uh, partners Uh, work closely with some of the indigenous communities that have been impacted and provide information to Canadians in a timely way. And that is our commitment. And I
0: appreciate all of that. But again, the question is whether or not you're willing to take that specific action against China because of their actions with that first balloon. You're not going there yet?
1: Uh, I would just say we've never hesitated. Uh, to condemn any hostile activities or foreign interference when it is materialized, but right now the emphasis has to be on conducting these recovery operations can't you do so both? that we can. New, so
0: the that, but can't you do both?
1: So so that we can come to the appropriate conclusions, and we won't hesitate to condemn where appropriate.
0: Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I'm out of time. Thanks for your time, Minister. Appreciate Thank you,
1: Vashi. My God.
0: Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino there, and we will dig into what you just heard later this hour with the front bench panel. Miriam Monsef, Melanie Riche, Kathleen Monk, and Laura Stone, Melanie Parody rather, are here with us. Later this afternoon or this evening, ahead, though, we're going to take a quick commercial break. On the other end of that break, I will be joined by former National Security Advisors to the Prime Minister, Richard Fadden and Vincent Rigby. We're going to talk about those aerial objects and the wider political significance of them. Stay right there. More to come tonight on Power Play. Welcome back to Power Play. Just before the break, we were speaking with Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino about the four aerial objects shot down over North America in just the last 10 days. The first was shot down on February 4th, and then three more downed since Friday. Both the U.S. and Canada have confirmed the first one is believed to be of Chinese origin, but a determination has yet to be made on the origin of the others. Let's get some more analysis on what it all means now from former CSIS director and former National Security Advisor Richard Fadden, and former National Security Advisor and Intelligence—sorry, National Security— intelligence advisor to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Vincent Rigby. Hi, Mr. Rigby. Hi, Mr. Fadden. Good to see you both. Good to be back. I appreciate you making the time. Uh, Mr. Mr. Rigby, I'll start with you. Uh, I know both governments right now are hesitant to confirm the origins of those three other objects. If they are not able to recover much of them, uh, do, do you think they will continue to hesitate to go there? Or is there a pattern established of behavior by China?
5: I think it's very difficult to say right now, uh, based on the information that we have. We can't even definitively say that uh, these objects that were shot down to three over the weekend were of Chinese origin. And certainly what they're saying publicly right now is they can't. They can't definitively say uh, whether they are Chinese. Uh, we don't know for certain whether they're balloons or another type of object. So there's just a great deal of mystery surrounding this right now. And that's actually the headline. And I think you heard that from Minister Mendoncino as well in terms of they need to get this information. And until they get this information and they see the wreckage, it's going to be very, very difficult to pull the pieces together. It's a little bit like a jigsaw puzzle right now, but several pieces are missing, if not more.
0: I was telling you, Mr. Fadden, in the break that I was speaking to some of my sources who are involved in this who were saying finding those missing puzzle pieces, as Mr. Rigby so accurately um, characterizes them, is almost next to impossible, given the weather conditions, given where they went down in the absence of, of them how uh difficult is it to ascertain the level of security threat here
2: well it is difficult and there's no certainty i mean i i understand why the government to some degree is reticent to go on about it but if you contrast what our government is saying with that which the american government is saying it's pretty telling they are much much more firm in their view while still maintaining the possibility that additional intelligence may send us off another path but until we get it all done i think Uh, we're going to have to up our security level, our threat level. I mean, the first balloon was clearly Chinese. It was an invasion of our sovereignty. It should not have been here. And it was the size of a regional airliner. So if that's not a threat, both in international law and from a kinetic thing, I don't know what is. Um, And I think we are being slightly too cautious in Canada. I mean, we have had three of these plus the balloon. They have all occurred within 10 days of one another. I mean, coincidence is a wonderful thing, but I do think we're pushing it a little far.
0: What are your thoughts on that, Mr. Rigby?
2: I think, again, it's it's difficult to
5: draw any definitive conclusions, especially about the last three, but I completely agree with Jake. Uh, the first one has been identified as a as a spy balloon, for lack of a better term, and it did, and it it did pose a threat. There's no doubt to Canada's national security. Whether the other three items are... Our national security threats. Only time will tell. It's difficult difficult to say. But I, I totally agree with Dick. Just based on what we've seen with that first balloon, this is reason for concern. Um, this is, again, reflective of Chinese behavior that we've seen in the past, aggressive. I mean, you can say, well, everybody collects intelligence, but this is a, a balloon flying over your sovereign space, collecting information. And uh, a more assertive China, a China that we've seen Conducting a lot of hostile activities against Canada, whether it's foreign interference, whether it's cyber attacks, whether it's intellectual property theft. It's just one more step, I think, in these in these Chinese actions. And so hopefully uh, it'll resonate with the government, but also resonate with the Canadian public. And I suspect that uh, the United States is going to be reaching out to allies and saying, listen, look at what we've seen here. We need to do more as, as, as allies.
0: The interesting part, also jumping off of this, is even if you separate the three, the, the three latest ones. That first one, which um, you know we've all uh, talked about, is from China. According to both authorities in the U.S. and in Canada, the U.S. says is actually part of a much larger program, a pretty well-developed program uh, that saw 40 of them, as many as 40 of them. Uh, what I mean, it's difficult to assign motivation, obviously, but on the question of what might be motivating China here, what comes to mind for you, Mr. Fan?
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good question because the answer to that question will help us answer a whole slew of other of other questions. I mean, I think we have to put ourselves to some degree into the Chinese shoes. Uh, we in Canada recently have irritated them considerably with the Indo-Pacific strategy by saying that they're adversaries. I was, about 10 days ago, uh, on a virtual call with a Chinese think tank, and boy, did they make it clear they were annoyed with us. Uh, you know, they didn't think it was necessary. You know, we're con- we, we continue to uh, transit the Taiwan Straits. Biden and the United States generally are being much more aggressive. So they may actually feel put upon by the West right now. And maybe they pick this as one way of signaling to that to us uh, they're capable of pushing back. It's not a particularly dangerous or kinetic activity, this balloon. But I think if there is anything that I think has some possibility of coming true is that they feel that, with all of this pushback by the West, they feel their national honor is a little bit being impugned, and they're pushing back. The key now is to not allow it to escalate, because if they wanted to drive a wedge, for example, between the president in the United States and the Congress, well, they're doing a very good job of it, and they're distracting him from a whole raft of things. So I think part of the why is they want to push back against the West to make sure we never forget that they're an important country.
0: Just on that on that point, Mr. Rigby, um, you know, if that is in fact the case, and we have witnessed what the political reaction has been like in the U.S., right, where there was all this very public back and forth about the decision to wait a little while before, uh, you know, almost a week before shooting down uh, the first balloon— it, 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 you know, how, how important is the way in which uh, both, the, both Canada and the United States reacts to this? And how closely do you imagine China is watching it?
5: Oh, I suspect China is watching extremely, extremely closely. There's absolutely no doubt that it was a spy balloon, notwithstanding Chinese protestations that it was just a meteorological balloon. But I mean, whether this was an escalation um, with this particular spy balloon, the Americans have indicated and the command of NORAD has indicated that there have been previous incursions by uh, Chinese spy balloons that were not necessarily caught in real time by, by NORAD. So there, there may be a bit of a pattern here. So it's difficult to say whether this was specifically an escalation. We'll see what happens with the, with the discovery of the debris for the, for the three uh, objects uh, shut down over the over the weekend. But, but without a doubt, they're going to be watching very closely. And, and it's quite interesting to watch what's happening south of the border, because this is a political football, without a doubt. Uh, we know that, broadly speaking, the Republicans and the Democrats have you know, more or less the same threat assessment of China. But you can see the way the Republicans are, are, are pushing the Biden administration. And in many respects, the, the prime, one, of the, one of the motivations for Biden right now is to, is to respond to those, those Republican protestations and, and uh, not to be seen as, as, as weak. And this, this, you've seen this throughout U.S. history when it, when it comes to China or, or Russia or other hostile state actors. So without a doubt, China's watching this very carefully. And, and they're probing in to see what kind of a political and, and uh, a more kinetic reaction is. And we've seen to some extent that there has been a kinetic reaction.
0: Yeah. Oh, certainly. Mr. Fadden, I just have a few seconds left. Last word to you. I can see you want to jump in there.
2: I just wanted to say, pattern or not, the spy balloon should not have happened. Uh, I have difficulty believing it just happened because somebody made a mistake. So uh, Vincent may well be right, there may be a pattern or not, but the balloon occurred, it has raised our threat level. I would not like to be the pilot of a small plane in North America Mm -hmm. whose uh, transponder goes Offline these days. That alone is disrupting North America.
0: Well, that's really been the threat that they've pointed to, right? These three mm-hmm. latest objects have been at a lower altitude right. and pose a threat to yeah. people, uh, to, to vehicles up in the air. Okay, I have to leave it there. I'm out of time. Thank you very much, both of you, for your time and your analysis this evening, uh, Richard Fadden and Vincent Rigby. Still to come this evening, the front bench will talk a little bit about how the government is responding to fears of Chinese spying. First, though. Political news you need to know about a round, a roundup rather in the list is next stay with us. Welcome back to Power Play on this Monday evening. This is the list, a roundup of what's happening in politics today. More than a week after those devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, some survivors are still being pulled from the rubble. This 39-year-old woman was rescued alive in Turkey and taken to hospital. Uh, The death toll continues to rise there. It's now surpassed 35,000 people. There's growing public anger as well, and Turkish authorities as a result are now issuing arrest warrants for people tied to collapsed buildings.
5: There is now a, 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 a discussion going on, also on the question of, uh, of uh, aircraft. And I expect that also to be uh, addressed uh, tomorrow at the meetings here in uh, Brussels. Good afternoon.
0: The second- NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg there says the possibility of sending aircraft to Ukraine will be on the agenda at a meeting tomorrow of NATO defense ministers. Stoltenberg also says Russia is showing no signs of wanting peace. His comments come as Russia steps up its offensive rather in eastern Ukraine leading up to the one year anniversary of the war on February 24th. A new poll, meanwhile, says most Canadians do not support expanding medically assisted dying for those solely suffering from mental illness. The results released today indicate three in five Canadians support the current law as it stands, which allows a patient to request the treatment under certain circumstances, while just three in 10 say they support offering MAID for mental illness. The House of Commons is debating a liberal bill this week to delay the expansion of MAID for mental health. The federal government is facing a mid-March deadline to pass that legislation. And Canada's women's soccer team is back on the field for training in Florida, but doing so under protest. The players refused to report to practice over the weekend, as well as play in an upcoming tournament against the U.S. after learning about Canada's soccer plans to make major cuts to the women's program. The team says the organization threatened them with legal action if they did not agree to play. Captain Christine Sinclair says, we will continue to fight for everything we deserve and we will win. Still to come tonight, up in the air, our front bench panel will dig into the ongoing questions. There are a lot of them surrounding the aerial objects being shot down. What are the political consequences of doing so and a lack of answers? We'll talk about that coming up.
2: Well, I think obviously there is some sort of pattern in there. The fact that we are seeing this uh, in a significant degree over the past week uh, is a cause for uh, interest and, and uh, uh, close attention, uh, which is exactly what we're doing. We know the first one.
0: So first, the U.S. shot down a flying object over its airspace last week. Then three more objects were shot down over U.S. and Canadian airspace since Friday. The U.S. suspects, at least in the first incident, Chinese spying. So how should the feds here be responding? Let's bring in the front bench to talk about that. Joining me this evening, former Liberal Cabinet Minister Maryam Monsef. She's now the CEO of Onward. Former communications director to Erin O'Toole, Melanie Paradis, is here somewhere, but we're having connection issues. She'll be with us shortly. She's now the president of Texture Communications. You're looking at the wonderful Kathleen Monk. She is the uh, owner, uh, principal owner, rather, of Monk and & Associates, and a former NDP strategist and the Globe and Mail's Queens Park. Reporter Laura Stone is here. Hi, everybody. Hey, there. Uh, Good to see you, Kathleen. I'm going to start with you. Uh, uh, From a comms perspective, how difficult is this one for the government to handle, especially where these last three are concerned? If you don't know, first of all, you have nothing to analyze. Mm -hmm. You haven't recovered anything. But the pressures, I mean, you're shooting things down out of the sky. The pressure's on to... Kind of help Canadians understand. How, how difficult of a, a tightrope he's got to walk?
6: I think it's difficult for the Prime Minister's office because they're seeing what happened to President Biden. President Biden took about a week to decide to shoot down the first Chinese balloon that they've identified as being a Chinese spy balloon. And he took a lot of pressure from Republicans, even from Democrats, about why that decision took so long. So the challenge for the Prime Minister right now is to really look decisive. And so that's why I think you've seen a cascading number of press conferences today. He did a presser yesterday, did a presser today. Today, His minister did a presser, even with dragging in the uh, Minister of Fisheries, who's in charge of the Coast Guard. So they're really trying to show that they're making quick and decisive action, and and they're communicating a lot to the public. But the question is, you know, will it work? And will will Canadians actually buy it? Because the question that you heard in question period today was, you know, why didn't Canadians shoot down, why didn't our military shoot down the, the object over the Yukon? Now, they were scrambling. Apparently, the U.S. jet's got there first, so they took took the object down. But I think for Justin Trudeau, he's got to ensure that he is showing that his government is acting, they're on the file, they're in communication with the U.S., and they're acting in coordination. Otherwise, he's going to face his opposition, who's already pushing on him in the House, saying, you know, the problem, why we didn't scramble fast enough is that we don't have the F-35s, that our military is not furnished with the proper gear, and um, that we don't have the right intelligence. So I think that's why we're going to see them leaning into more communication right now. Now they can.
0: I think what he said around that was, and he's been asked a few times, so as ministers that NORAD basically made worked the calls. Yeah, they worked worked together, and whoever got there first mm-hmm. kind of kind of took the shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. I, I do think like it's um, because we're using the word balloon, Miriam. At times, people are kind of laughing it off. But like over the past ten days, four things in the sky have been shot down. Two. Over this country, it's it's not a it's not a small thing, and I wonder, to Kathleen's point, um, you know, if, if you think the government is trying to get out there quite a bit, trying to talk about it a lot because of what we saw take place in the U.S.
7: Well, I think there's certainly reason to be concerned, and what we saw with the cooperation between the U.S. and Canada is the system working. NORAD exists for this exact reason. And what we're seeing in terms of communications is a recognition that, you know, we've just gone through a period in Canadian history when misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories have jeopardized public health and safety. So on the one hand, there is uh, some careful uh, analysis around when do we want to share information, how certain do we need to be? On the other hand, I'm sure there's a, you know, consideration happening within the government around, you know, If we don't respond uh, quickly, then the government will have the challenge of having to manage an even bigger challenge around managing that misinformation and disinformation. But I, you know, heard Marco Mendicino, I heard Anita Anand speak immediately on Friday night to Canadians. The prime minister spoke the next day. Um, What I'm seeing is a recognition that sharing information and being transparent with Canadians as quickly as possible with the information they have is a priority.
0: So there's a couple of things to parse out there, and, and Melanie, I'll get you to weigh in. First of all, I think it's acceptable to people that without recovering the remnants of these three latest objects, it's difficult to ascertain exactly where they came from or who owns them, things like that. But the first balloon is not so nebulous, right? We know that came mm-hmm. from China. It's been asserted by this government, it's been asserted by the US government. And the you know, my final line of questioning to the minister was around, well, what is Canada going to do in response? Because the US government made a pretty specific announcement to ban certain entities in China that are connected to the manufacturing of these balloons and the military program that uh, conducts this big this big balloon program, right? It's not just one or two balloons. We know now from the Pentagon, it's a big balloon program. And and there was no specific response yet from the federal government. Uh, will there be pressure to do so? I take the point that on the three others, we don't know a lot yet. I think that's very fair. And you don't want to put misinformation out there. On the first one, we do know some things, though.
8: Yeah. And, and further, I want to give a shout out to Larry, Larry McGuire, who's the, uh, the conservative MP in Manitoba, who's been tracking this issue for years. And and pushing this forward and trying to get the Canadian government to take greater action. Um, specifically in the United States, they passed legislation, I, I believe in the past year or two, they created a, an office specifically dedicated to tracking these aerial, unidentified aerial phenomenon um, and to trying to determine where are they coming from, what is it that they intend to do, um, and just generally gathering intelligence. They also issued a public report in 2022 with, uh, with some of the results of those studies including that they track tracked like 500 of them over the past many years, about half of which have been in, in the past two years alone. So there are a lot of these up there in, in the sky, which is a bit alarming, but the United States has done a really good job of, of being quite public with their information and, uh, and sharing that with Americans. And the Canadian government has not done the same thing. And so the Conservatives have been calling on, on Canada to, to take that action specifically to to you know strike a um, a group within within government that is responsible for developing a scientific plan to address these figure out where they're coming from what it is that they're doing and share an appropriate amount of information with Canadians about them
0: the only thing i'm not sure of laura is and i, and I again tried to ask but like is the canadian government aware of the prevalence of it to the degree that the U.S. is like, it seems like U.S. intelligence is on this. Has it maybe not been a priority because the the threat was you know uh, deduced to be at a certain level, maybe not as high as as we might perceive it to be now? I'm not sure.
3: Well, I just don't think Canada is as used to dealing with these issues as as the United States. We don't have the same capacity. Um, you know, this isn't some quaint Canadian story anymore. This is an international incident, and so. I think, in general, the U.S. is uh, quite a bit more comfortable with sharing information on a host of issues than Canada. It's actually really fun as a reporter to report on U.S.-based stories because you just call people up and they answer your questions over the phone. It's great. Um, but, <laughs> but look, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that they're being kind of they're tiptoeing around these kinds of issues because either they a maybe don't have the answers or b we're just much much more cautious as a culture. Um, than the Americans. And so you can hold a lot of press conferences without actually saying very much. And I think that's sort of been um, the situation here. And obviously Canada is very concerned with with giving out the wrong information. And and so they want, they're holding back until they are absolutely, as as Premier Doug Ford would say, 1,000% sure. Um, And, you know, (laughs) that's just, that is just our nature. And so, you know, it's kind of whether the Canadian public accepts that or not is, is the question, but we're certainly much, much more cautious I think by nature and we're just not used to these kind of large scale military incidents occurring in our country. Kathleen, yeah, I,
6: I, I think that the folks at home are, want two things to find. Like, first of all, tell us that they're not aliens, which the White House <laughs> told us today. <laughs> so the they are not aliens, not, right? That's number yeah, one. And the then exile. once we deduce that we're not part of some kind of grand John Carre spy novel, then they want the Canadian government to act. Like, should we be, you know, turning up the alert level? Should we be, you know, on a, should, should the government in some way trigger the system to be watching for these things more? And I think that's the comfort that the government needs to be giving to Canadians. They can hold press conferences. But until they actually do something to assure Canadians that they're tracking this in some way and they are on higher alert,
0: I think Canadians will continue to be concerned. I'll circle back to my original point, Miriam, and my original question, which is it's going to be difficult. Right. In the case of these three, because finding that and recovering that stuff is Mm -hmm. not going to be easy. So it kind of puts them in in a precarious position.
7: The Yukon and the geography there and the wilderness and the weather, absolutely all those factors make it difficult. However, what we are hearing is that all hands are on deck and the various intelligent agencies are working together along with our American counterparts. And as soon as information is available, it will come forward. Uh, I, I have a lot of confidence, particularly in Anita Anand. Uh, she was in front of the cameras, talking to Canadians. Even though she didn't have all the information, she shared what she did know. And we can expect to hear more from her
0: and her colleagues. Melanie, do you think that will be the case?
8: I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we need to be investing a lot more money and resources, human capital as well, into our military so that they can actually execute on on some of this work that needs to be done. Uh, There's no reason why we—I understand, like, Canada, of course, is a vast country, and we have uh, terrain that is incredibly difficult. But we should have a military with the capabilities to to go to those places and to to find the things that we're shooting out of the sky— um, I hope that, in a strange way, this this helps to uh, recruit a lot more people, a lot more Canadians, into our military. Because now they're going to have a very interesting new mandate that that perhaps um, young Canadians had not had not considered before. There's a, there's a new frontier out there in space that we need to be cool. very concerned about, and uh, we need our military to be equipped to to handle it.
0: Yeah, I wish we had time for a longer discussion, but I do feel like what's happened with Russia and Ukraine, and then all this stuff, certainly, like makes us view. What it means to invest in a military and maybe, or, or change kind of the context around that discussion. I do have to leave it there. Thanks very much to our front bench Laura Stone, Melanie Paradis, Miriam Monsef, and Kathleen Monk. We have to take a quick break on the other side of that break. Today's takeaway. Stay right there. Welcome back to Power Play. Tonight's takeaway is all about those spy balloons, balloons rather, or objects, uh, unidentifiable objects. Uh, The U.S. is saying that they existed prior to this most recent detection of them. They say that some iteration of them existed many, many years prior, even under the previous administration, under Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump. We asked Marco Medicino, the Minister of Public Safety here, if that's the case in Canada. Here's what he said.
1: Well, it's not that we're not able to. It's that we want to make sure that we get the answers to those questions correctly. So you don't know. And we undertake, and well, as I said, uh, we are in the midst of conducting recovery operations in real time. So I understand but why... But what does recovery
0: have to do with the existence of, like, they haven't been all recovered in the U.S., and the U.S. has been able to say, this stuff existed before.
1: Well, you don't know. Nobody knows exactly what is on the ground in Yukon or in the waters of Lake Huron.
0: Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino there saying that the federal government cannot determine or at this point is not willing to say whether those balloons existed in some iteration previous to the ones that have been found over the last 10 days. We'll, of course, stay on top of any developments as they become available to us. Right now, though, I'll hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez. Have a great evening.